Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we go to Ukraine as we have an interview with Stephen Michael Gope, a Nigerian player in the Ukraine top flight, on how his club went to Turkey for a training camp and arrived back on the day that Russia moved into Ukraine. Though it's really so confusing, I'm just short of words because I never wanted such to happen to my football career. That's coming later. Also, lots on the English Premier League as we have the Manchester derby this weekend, and a word on Liverpool's win over Chelsea in a classic EFL Cup final last weekend. But first, former Cameroon and Liverpool defender Rigobert Song has been confirmed as the new Cameroon head coach on the orders of the country's president Paul Beer. Song replaces Tony Concesao, who took the Indomitable Lions to a third-place finish at the Africa Cup of Nations as hosts last month. Song is the country's most capped player, making 137 appearances for the Indomitable Lions. A statement said that Song has been appointed on very high instructions from the president of the republic. Song played at four World Cups, the first at the age of 17. He won the 2000 and 2002 Africa Cup of Nations, and he's coached the. Under 23 national team. What do you make of the appointment, Ida? Well, I think the first thing for me was just questioning what is considered political interference and what isn't, you know, because this is definitely a bit of a grey area, Steve. Especially when you think about FIFA's rules, you know, that require member associations to be quote unquote independent. But that aside, well, Song is hugely popular in the country. So there are those who are just over the moon. But those saying that he's inexperienced, Steve, I would say aren't wrong either. Because as you said, Song has only coached the under twenty-three team, and for the brief stint he took over the national team, at least for locally based players. Cameroon were eliminated in the group stage of the 2018 Chan for the first time in the country's history, and what's coming up for the Indomitable Lions is no joke, Steve, because they play former African champions Algeria, that's in the World Cup playoffs, and look, the Desert Foxes will definitely have something to prove, you know, after that terrible Afghan showing. And also for the move to come so close to the World Cup playoffs. Might be a bit tricky. Remember, the West African country will be desperate, Steve, to qualify for the World Cup after not making it for 2018 in Russia. But all in all, Steve Song is hugely respected, even amongst players, and you know this is someone that they revere in a way. So it might be easier for the players to listen to him. And to add on to that, well, the fact that he now has Fekafoot president. And his old teammate Samuel Atoll, who said that he was happy, you know, to work alongside his captain, as he called him. So, look, at the end of the day, Steve, this is more local coaches getting a chance. Something that, as we've been saying, has been long, long overdue. 
Yeah, that's true. Though, as you say, a bit of a risk there with that big World Cup qualifier coming up against Algeria later this month. In other coaching news, Egyptian giants Zamalek have parted company with coach Patrice Carteron after their loss to Widad Casablanca in the African Champions League last weekend. Uh, Zamalek have just two points from three games in Group D. It was a second spell in charge of the White Knights for the Frenchman Carteron, who won the Egyptian Premier League with them last season. And it's the 28th coaching change at the club since the start of 2014, the year that Mortada Mansour became the Zamalek president. So no surprise to see Carter on fired, but it was maybe a surprise to see Comoros coach Amir Abdu quitting after eight years in charge, saying that he feels they need new direction. Abdu took Comoros to the Africa Cup of Nations finals for the first time this year. More than that, he took them to the round of 16. And on Thursday, Abdu was unveiled as the new coach of the Mauritania national team. What do you think about these moves, Ida? Well, just to echo what you've said, Steve, I mean, no surprise there about Cateron, to be honest, but interesting to see Abdul leave Comoros, definitely. But, you know, it might be a case of he achieved his goal. I mean, he got Comoros to the Afghan. They were so close to the quarterfinals as well, remember, and it really was a dream run. Some form of self-actualization, even for him, I'm sure, you know. Now other countries can see what he can do, hence his move to Mauritania. And now it's just time for a different challenge, I would like to imagine as well. And actually, he has been coaching in Mauritania for the last bit anyway, because this technically isn't, you know, totally new territory for him. He's been full-time uh, he's been the full-time coach of a club in the Mauritanian top flight for the last two years, Stephen. Look, let's be honest. The Mauritanian national team does need a revamp. Remember, they lost all their group matches at the Nations Cup. And they must be at a point where they're thinking, look, something has to give. But the Afghan aside, well, Abdu has lots to look back on, actually, because Comoros was ranked 198 out of 206, Steve, when Abdu took over in 2014. And now he leaves them placed 131. I mean, this is a social worker who ended up coaching the tiny nation to what was continental acclaim during the nation's cup. And another takeaway, Steve, for me is the trust that Comoros put into Abdu. I mean, granted... They were a country just starting out in football, and one would say that maybe their options were limited, you know. But eight years, I think, is a great time to build something solid. We've seen, for example, in Senegal, the amount of time they gave to Alu Sisi, and he proved them right. And I think that maybe, just maybe, Steve, this is a way to go. Yes, uh, Abdu and Ali Ussisi certainly strengthening uh, that argument. Thanks, Ida. Next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, show brought to you by Passion for Sport, we go to Ukraine, uh, which of course has been dominating the news headlines since the Russian invasion last week. Stephen Michael Gope is a Nigerian player in the Ukraine top flight, playing for Inulets Petrov. His club went to Turkey for a training camp and arrived back on the day that Russia moved into Ukraine. Uh, Gopi, who's 22, spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloashina Okaleji about what happened. This interview was recorded on Tuesday. Uh, it all started the day we came to Ukraine because we were supposed to have a game with Dynamo Kiev on the 26th of February. So we went for pre-season since on the 17th, on the 27th of 
January went for preseason at Turkey and will return Ukraine on the 24th of February. And that day was when it started. The whole thing started. Immediately we got to the hotel. We didn't even stay up to 10 minutes. We had the first blast that happened in Kiev. So the team had to like rush everybody down. They were like, okay, this was happening. So we should go inside and be safe. Nobody should go out. We should wait and hear next uh, information. Then we get to know that that day they had to declare that sports has to be stopped for the minimum of one month. So most of the players that same, those on the base in Ukraine, they had to go to their various destinations. So we, the foreigners, the team boss had to come and pick us to our base, which is Petrova. So I stayed there for like two days. Everything in the Petrova was cool. But the third day, we had to, we saw helicopters and some jets moving. So the team had to like move us from the city of Petrova because they were scared and we were shocked about the whole issue. So we were like, they had to take us to a city called Lviv, Lviv where they said it's close to the uh, Poland border. So we have been there, and but the team is planning to take us to another city to see if maybe we can move to another country. Then maybe we wants to fly back. So that just was happening. That's all how it started, and that's the, my present situation right now. So in you led um, Petrov, your club. You guys are meant to play Dynamo Kiev on the 26th of February and then you just landed from Turkey. Didn't you guys get any warning um, from anyone or from um, your rivals about um, the problem going on? And to me, I didn't get any sort of warning because I never knew what was happening. As of then, when if there was any warning, then we've been on pre-season at Turkey for the past one month. So the day we arrived Ukraine, that was when the stuff started. So it just came as a shock to me and to the whole team as well. We were like thinking, ah, if we have known anything like this, we would have returned that day because it was the same day we came to Ukraine and that's what, that's the same day the stuff started happening. Are you in touch with some of the other African players or some of your fellow Nigerians who are still in Ukraine? Yes, I have two friends, one Holland and one Ghanaian. They are now in their various countries and they are fine. Yeah, they had to leave the day the stuff started happening. And I even contacted two of our Nigerian guys that are still in Ukraine, uh, Obi, Michael, and Emmanuel. So I tried to reach them to know their plans on how to get out because to go out of the country because even me, I don't know. I'm trying to know if we're going to make plans on how to meet before moving out. So what's the future for you with your contract coming to an end um, at the end of June um, this year? Um, are you looking to leave Ukraine or you still think there's a way back? Really, for now, I don't have anything to say about that because things happen for reasons. And it's too early for me to make decision on whether to quit playing here or not to return. The only option, as like the only thing I'm praying for now, is how to go out safe from the country and I pray things get better. So it depends the time and how long things are going to get better. But we're still open and praying. Well, looking at images from Ukraine with um, people running and all of the damage is going on there, I bet at 22, this is not a sort of start you envisaged for your professional career in coming to Europe. 
Though it's really so confusing. <laughs> I'm just short of words because I never wanted such to happen to my football career. No, no, no footballer wants to pray for such thing to happen to him. Especially on my first time being into international football and my first season. But it's fine. I'm taking everything with good faith. I know it's part of those trying times. Things are going to get better. Though it's not over. Because I know very soon everything is going to be calm. So that's Stephen Michael Gopi. He's a Nigerian player in the Ukraine top flight. Speaking there to Olawashina Okaleji. Uh, that interview was recorded on Tuesday. And uh, since then, we've heard that Gopi has managed to leave the country. Uh, and he's now in Hungary. Right, joined by our European football expert, Stuart Weir, who's in the UK now. And uh, Stuart, the situation in Ukraine is having quite an impact on football. Well, yes. I mean, last weekend's games were played under the shadow of that horrible Russian invasion of Ukraine. And as players were warming up in the Manchester City-Everton game, Everton fans just started applauding a City player, Oleg Sinchenko, who was then embracing his opponent, so to speak, uh, but fellow Ukrainian, Vitaly Mikolenko. You know, sometimes things are bigger than getting three points from a Premier League game. And before the League Cup final, captains Jordan Henderson and Caesar Aspilicuta carried a yellow and blue floral tribute in the colours of Ukraine uh, onto the pitch. And before the start of the game, players mingled together in what they called a gesture of solidarity with Ukraine. Manchester United and Watford players stood side by side before the kickoff, holding up a sign for peace. And, you know, FIFA and UEFA have been very swift in their movement, first of all, to move the Champions League final from Russia to France, and then to suspend Russia from all football, meaning that Russia can no longer qualify for the World Cup in Qatar. Russia's women have been excluded from the European Championships this summer, and Spartak Moscow, the only club left in the men's European club competitions, have been eliminated as well. Two Premier League clubs which are under some pressure at the moment are Chelsea and Everton. Chelsea, owned by Roman Abramovich, who initially tried to pass the ownership of the club temporarily to the Chelsea Foundation, but is now attempting to sell it. Abramovich issued a statement, The sale of the club will follow due process. I will not be asking for any loans to be repaid. This has never been business, nor about money for me. It's pure passion for the game of football and the club. I have instructed my team to set up a charitable foundation where all net proceeds from the sale will be donated. The foundation will be for the benefit of victims of the war in Ukraine. This includes providing critical funds towards the urgent and immediate needs of victims, as well as supporting long-term work of recovery. Now, two things are really significant in that statement. The use of the word war which has been banned by the Russian government, you know, saying that this is a military exercise and it, it's not a war. And also his statement that he does not want the loans thought to be worth more than a billion dollars to be repaid. And then Everton are coming under pressure because of the involvement of the Russian billionaire Alisher Usmanov, who owns part of their club. So um, a lot of things going on in the Premier League in the wake of the, the terrible events in Ukraine.
Yes, indeed. Thanks, Stuart. And uh, stay with us. Uh, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League, the Manchester Derby coming up this weekend. And should Man United be putting Ronaldo on the bench more? You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, let's go through social media now. Last week we asked, would you like to see more African stars coming back home? Uh, this after Ghana legend Sully Muntari's return back home to the Ghana Premier League, where he's playing for Hearts of Oak at the age of 37. Uh, not many African stars decide to go home to end their careers, so we asked, would you like to see it happening more? And which players would you love to have returning to your country? Well, let's start in Ghana, where Ando Emma says, yes, it's good for our game and its brand. It thrills supporters and makes the leagues worth watching and enjoying. A legends returning also sells our league and makes it attractive. Uh, personally, as a diehard supporter of Hearts of Oak, I'm always thrilled to see our legend Sulumantari playing for my team. Hopefully more players will follow suit, uh, says uh, Ando. Uh, Marquez Emeke Ugbe is in Nigeria and says Ahmed Musa, Ogeni Onazi, Brownie Day and Sunday Mba and many more should return to the Nigeria Premier League and big up to Muntari, says Marquez. Uh, Dandy Abham in the UK says it's a good move and uh, Sarah Hamura in Algeria says welcome home to Sully Muntari. Uh, Juko Rashid in Uganda says it's an honour for a legend like him to go back home and finish his career. In Nigeria, both Robert Zoe Lao Elom and uh, Ijaola Kenny uh, say they'd like to see John Mikel Obi coming back to play in Nigeria. And Mikel last played in Kuwait. And uh, Fides Kenneth Walter Maninga in Malawi says a Fisher Kondoy returned to Big Bullets. Uh, yes, uh, he played in South Africa with Bush Bucks, Black Leopards and Celtics uh, before ending his career with a Big Bullets, uh, did a Fisher Kondoy. Amatichan um, Balde is in Sierra Leone and says, yeah, I think this is good. I guess if all African legends were to do the same, our Premier Leagues would be superb, says Amatijan. A triple C Christian Chukwu in Nigeria says Ahmed Musa's return to Kano Pillars was good. Yes, had a short spell back home and then went to Turkey. Uh, Bro Steve in Kenya says it's giving back to society. In South Africa, Mkani Ukunta says Benny McCarthy came back to South Africa to play for Orlando Pirates and Stephen Pinar ended his career at Bidvest Vitz. Yes, Pinar had a good career with Everton in the English Premier League and a very short stint with Vitz to end his career back in 2018. And in DR Congo, we heard from Rostand Lakwa, who says Yusuf Mulumba is back playing in the DRC. There are many cases on our continent, says Rostand. Uh, yes, Mulumbu turned out for Paris Saint-Germain and then had a long career with West Brom, is now with Saint-Eloi Lupopo in Lubumbashi in the DRC this season. And in the Gambia, this voice note came from Ebrima Kante. I believe it's a very good move for Suleiman Dari. It will add a great value to the Ghanaian Premier League. Suleiman Dari has been a great player for Ghana over the years. And I'm very much happy about this, this one. Uh, actually, here in the Gambia, we have one of our uh, now former players who is playing his trade in, in, in our National Division League One. Uh, this is Ibrahim Shona from Fortune FC. 
he came last year together with Momo Dusisi, our former under-17 goal sensation. He also came last year and played for Fortune. I think it gives that attention to the league because of these players who we are playing in Europe, coming back and playing in our, you know, you know, domestic league. So I'm very much happy with what Solimentari, you know, did. And I believe other players also should, you know, follow suit. Thanks there to Ebrima Kante. Also in the Gambia, righteous boy Ali Baba says, yeah, in my opinion, I'd like more African stars to come back home, especially if they're not getting playing time at their European clubs. It's better for them to come and promote our own African leagues. In some cases, it would help to reduce racism too, says righteous boy. And finally, Gemo is a Cameroonian living in the USA. And Gemo says, yeah, I think seeing some of our African football stars going back to play in their local leagues is great for the development of the league especially in the promotion and marketing of our games. Younger players also can learn some things from these players. And Gemo also adds having access and being able to watch the CAF Champions League from abroad this season has been a beauty. I don't have to wait for the Africa Cup of Nations to watch some African players, says Gemo. Well, thanks very much for all of those comments. Always great to hear from you. We'll see if any more big African stars do head back home to end their careers. Well, let's go back to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK now, and it's the Manchester Derby on Sunday. Manchester City hosting Manchester United, while Liverpool play at home to West Ham. Uh, first, let's go back to last Sunday's EFL Cup final. Uh, quite a classic, uh, Liverpool beating Chelsea in a fabulous game and an incredible penalty shootout, Stuart. Yes, indeed. It was Liverpool who've claimed the first trophy of the season, beating Chelsea on penalties after a nil-nil draw in the final of the EFL Cup at Wembley. And, as you say, nil-nil may sound dull, but it was anything but. This is, incidentally, the ninth time that Liverpool have won the League Cup more than any other club, and it's the fifth trophy that Jurgen Klopp has gathered during his time as manager. But for the 40,000 Liverpool fans in the stadium... It was their first domestic cup for 10 years. Chelsea will feel themselves a bit unlucky, having had three goals disallowed for offside, two of them really marginal decisions, which frankly could well have been awarded in the days before VAR. When the game had almost gone 120 minutes with no goals scored, Chelsea manager Thomas Tuchel made a brave decision to substitute Edouard Mende, the Senegalese goalkeeper, who... I thought it had an excellent game, but because he, he believed that the substitute goalkeeper Kepa would be a better penalty saver. Well, all 20 outfield players scored their penalties, so Mendy couldn't have done any worse than Kepa. Then it was down to the two goalkeepers. Quiven Kelleher, Liverpool's number two goalkeeper, who had played throughout the run in the League Cup and who incidentally used to be a striker, scored his penalty. And then when Kepa shot over the bar it meant that Liverpool had won the cup. Tuchel's gamble in switching goalkeepers had not paid off. And as you say, it's back to business in the Premier League. Indeed, the Manchester derby will be a fascinating game. Manchester City must be firm favourites, but United have an incredibly good record against City in recent league games. And again, Liverpool at home to West Ham. Uh, a win for Liverpool will keep them on City heels. And then at the bottom, we've got Norwich against Brentford, Watford at home to Arsenal, Burnley at home to Chelsea. And we really have reached that point in the season where every point matters. 
Yes, certainly does. And let's uh, go back to the midweek games. Uh, the FA Cup fifth round saw Tottenham knocked out by Middlesbrough Championship side and a former English Premier League club who seemed to be on the up, Stuart. Well, Middlesbrough are managed by Chris Wilder, who did such a good job at Sheffield United. In 2016, Middlesbrough were, as you say, promoted to the Premier League, but sadly lasted only one season before being relegated, and they've been in the Championship ever since. They're currently eighth in the Championship, just outside the playoffs, but what an impressive run in the FA Cup. Remember the last round where they beat Manchester United in a penalty shootout? Then this week, they beat Tottenham 1-0 to put themselves into the last eight. A great performance by Middlesbrough, but the continuing story of Tottenham Hotspur, winning away to Manchester City, then losing to Burnley, scoring four goals against Leeds United, then losing to a championship team. Tottenham have played some brilliant football this season, but they have been so inconsistent. Luton Town from the championship led Chelsea 1-0 and 2-1 before losing 3-2, and even Lukaku scored. That, in fact, was Lukaku's 15th goal in the FA Cup. And during the period when he scored the goals, 2014 to 2022, only one player has equaled that 15. Kelechi Ihanecho for Leicester City and Manchester City. Yeah, indeed. And uh, Stuart, we saw Leeds firing Marcelo Bielsa after a really poor run of results. But uh, you might feel that uh, he's still a great manager. Yes, it was just that defeat 4-0 at home to Tottenham last weekend, leaving them just two points out of the relegation zone that made the decision for the club. And of course, they have conceded 60 goals this season. Incidentally, that makes him the ninth manager to be fired before the end of February the most for 75 years. But it was a sad end to his four years at Leeds. He took them out of the championship and to ninth in the Premier League in his first season, which was last season. There was that strange incident in 2019 when he sent one of his staff to watch Derby County training and said afterwards that spying on the opposition was normal in his experience. Well, the FA didn't think so, fined the club $250,000, but Bielsa paid it himself personally. The criticism of him is that he has been too inflexible with his tactics and never had a plan B. And I read a really good comment that Leeds United, in their first game back in the Premier League, lost 4-3 to Liverpool, and that really set the tone. They were always going to score goals, but could they defend well enough to survive? This season, the answer is clearly no conceding 60 goals in 26 games. Leeds have appointed an American, Jesse Marsh, with no experience at all of English football. A strange choice in my book when you're involved in a dogfight with just 12 games left. And the fight starts this weekend away to Leicester City. Yes, so we'll see how he does. And uh, no doubt uh, Marcelo Bielsa is uh, quite a character. And uh, what else have you got for us, Stuart? Well, there was a very strange incident in the Everton Manchester City game, which City won 1-0. The ball clearly struck the arm of Rodri. Referee Paul Tierney was unsighted, uh, blocked by another player, and VAR chose not to intervene. Then Frank Lampard was so incensed that he described Chris Kavanagh, the VAR official, as incompetence at best and at worst, who knows. Lampard then commented that it was so blatant Quote, even my three-year-old daughter could tell that it was a penalty. 
But then in a very strange development, Mike Riley, the head of referees for the Premier League, apologised to Everton, saying the officials had got the decision wrong. But my question is, what happens if Everton are relegated by one point and the Premier League has admitted that the officials got a crucial decision wrong? Will Everton be suing the Premier League? Manchester United drew nil-nil with Watford, with Ronaldo missing two decent chances to score. While Ronaldo is United's top goal scorer with 15 goals in 30 games in all competitions, if you look at the last 890 minutes he's been on the pitch, he scored only once. And another interesting statistic is that last season playing in Serie A for uh, Juventus, Ronaldo played 2,800 minutes. And already, about two-thirds of the way through the season, he's played 2,500 minutes for Manchester United. You know, are United perhaps expecting too much of a player who is, after all, 37 years old? Well, uh, thanks a lot for that, Stuart, and asking for your thoughts on this on social media. I wonder what you think if you're a Manchester United fan. Uh, should Ronaldo be used as a substitute now? As uh, Stuart says, Ronaldo is United's top goalscorer this season with 15 goals in 30 games, uh, but is struggling of late, and he's already played nearly as many minutes as he did in the whole of last season with Juventus. So uh, whether you're a United fan or not, uh, what do you think? Uh, should United use him as a substitute now at the age of 30? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Should Ronaldo be used as a sub now? Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.